And we're live. How you doing, Joseph? Doing good, buddy. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm real good. I've been busy, but I've been good. Busy's not necessarily a bad thing. That's right. Idle hands may work for the devil. Exactly. So um, me and Joseph are here to talk about, or Joseph and I, I guess, are here to talk about Adam and Eve. But before we get going, do you want to get started with a prayer? Absolutely. Sounds good. Heavenly Father, come to you today, Lord, and thanksgiving for bringing us together, Lord, me and Kyle, and, and Lord, for bringing us the listeners that you bring us, Father, and that we pray that we both can be a blessing to them, Lord, that you'd lay your word on our hearts, Lord, so that we teach your word properly and accurately, and we don't misrepresent you in, in any way whatsoever. Thank you again, Father, for our health. In Jesus' name I pray and ask it all. Amen. Amen. All right, so like I said, we're here to talk about Adam and Eve. And most people don't know this. You would have to be one of the first ones ever following me. But back in like January when I had 50 followers, I made a Patreon account. And what it was going to be is it was kind of like your Charles of the Cost thing where I was just going to go through each book of the Bible and I was just going to copy paste the book of the Bible and then put like my analysis under it. Yeah. Well, I didn't do a very good job with that. And so I stopped after three chapters. But it finally came back to help me because now we're talking about the first three chapters of Genesis. So Genesis chapters one through three. Um, so God created Adam in his own image and out of the dust of the ground. And that's found in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. So for those of you reading at home, go ahead and feel free to check that. But that's what the Bible says. Um, Adam was tasked with looking over the garden of Eden. And then um, his next task was, to name all of the animals, all the plants, everything that was in the garden. He was, he was in charge of naming them, looking after them. Um, he was allowed to eat anything that he wanted to, except for the fruit from that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said that it was not good for Adam to be alone. So um, God gave Adam this commandment where he's not supposed to eat from that tree. And then right after that, he said, okay, it's not good for Adam to be alone. So he made him a wife, and that was Eve. And Eve came from Adam's ribcage. Um, before long, the, the serpent, the Bible refers to it as a serpent, tem tempted Eve. It was, it, was, it was Satan tempting Eve. Um, before, so then when the ser serpent tempted Eve, he, both Adam and Eve ended up eating the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. And so um, then they realized what they had done. They realized that they had done wrong. And so they realized that they were naked, tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Then they hid from God. Um, when they, when they hid from, cause God was walking and he asked, he couldn't find them. Like he, they were hiding from him. And when God asked, what have you guys done? Adam immediately tried to pass the blame off to Eve. Like it's not, it's not my fault. She made me. She, she gave it to me. And then eventually, God ends up um, kicking them out of the garden. But just before He kicks them out of the garden, He gives them jobs. And so He, He says, like, Eve, you're when you, when women have child uh, during childbirth, it's going to be harder for you. It's going to be painful. Um, and then. He also gives the man the job. The man's job is to provide and look over his family. So I thought that was that was interesting. But that's basically the whole summary. And then we can get into the notes, which you don't have any, do you? <laughs> They're in my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, do you want to go first so you don't forget, or do you want me to go? 
Um, so I, I wanted to, to point towards something, and because I don't have my notes, I don't have my verses in front of me. So give me just a second to find this. All right. All right, so in chapter 2, verse 15, and the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. So one thing I want to point out to everybody is the very first thing that God did was give man a job. Mm -hmm. So you can get a lot of importance out of Adam and Eve other than just a story of creation and the first people. So I think um, you can look at this and, and so twice, you know, you told him Adam had to till the ground after they kicked him out. But the very first job of man was to tend and keep the Garden of Eden. Then God gave Adam the uh, job of naming all the animals. Mm -hmm. So as a man, Adam was put to work. Like, right. Like immediately by God. Yeah, we're in paradise, but you, you still got to, well, you know, what I said to you earlier, idle hands make work of the devil. Right, right. So you got to keep yourself busy. Um, I've used that verse when talking to people and coaching people um, about the importance of having a job, of keeping yourself busy. God knew that man had to be busy. We have to have our minds at work. We have to have our hands at work. We have to be doing something. Right. right. A, a man is worthless sitting around playing video games all day long or chilling out up under the tree watching the fish jump in the river. Right. Well, and like you said, the when a man's sitting around lazy, that's when all of a sudden he's going to start watching porn and he's going to start doing all these things that he's not supposed to be doing because he's got nothing else to do. And he's That's just right. bored. Yeah, so we, we get in trouble. We're, we're guys. We, we do stupid stuff and get in trouble when we're bored. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I can think back to when I was your age and think of a ton of stupid stuff I did because I was bored. <laughs> um, And there, there's three in chapter two, there, there's three points and, and I've made the first point and I want to expand on all three of them uh, okay. a little bit later into this. The second point is in verse 18 when he says, not good for man to be alone. Right. Um, it, it is a point that the very first thing declared by God of man is we should not be alone. Mm -hmm. um, this goes into, obviously he makes um, Eve a wife for him. You know, it says in Proverbs, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and is blessed by the Lord. Mm -hmm. So second point is it's not good for a man to be alone, which kind of goes back with not doing anything. You're alone and not doing anything. What's going to happen? You're going to get in trouble, right? Right. So third point I want to make, and this one's a little more controversial, mm -hmm. is um, as men, and I've I've written about it in the blog post. As men, we're spiritual leaders of our home, of our family. We're we're supposed to take charge. We're supposed to teach what we're supposed to teach. We're supposed to make sure our family abides by the laws and rules of God. So, God told Adam not to eat of the tree. The Bible never says God told Eve. She knew she wasn't supposed to. But right. I find it that God told Adam. He didn't tell Eve. God relied on Adam to make sure that spiritual rule was right. kept in his family. Right. Well, and I kind of had the same thing where the, this whole chapter kind of goes into the gender dynamics of things and God sets from the, from the very get go where the, the men have their roles and the women have their roles and they're not, and without trying to sound like one of those manosphere losers, 
Um, <laughs> they, the man is supposed to provide, the man is supposed to be the leader of the family, and the woman is supposed to be submissive. We see in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, if I can find it right here, that um, this is after the fall. Um, he says, and thy, de thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. He says that to Eve. And so right. it, it makes it very clear that he's supposed to lead, she's supposed to submit. Now, to go get away from the Bible a little bit, not, not that I don't think that this is the teaching of God, but I'm not saying that women are supposed to be less than men or that men are better or anything like that. They're just supposed to submit. They're supposed to follow his, his lead. And that's if I think that that's the key for for happiness in a relationship is the man leads and the woman submits and it, this this chapter boy. this passage confirms that. Boy, we are on rocky ground here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. The Bible says that the man is supposed to lead; the woman submits herself to the husband. Right. Um, that's I, the biblical key to happiness, right there. That is, and, and man, I don't have any of my, I wish I had my verses, I had my verses on this. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a man has to earn that leadership role. He has to earn that position. A man has oh, to be, definitely. he has to be spiritually centered with God. He has to be emotionally stable. He has to be financially stable. Right. You know, uh, the Bible says um, he doesn't work, doesn't eat. Right. You know, uh, going back to the job thing again, but, you know, and in, in, in I think it's in, can't remember if it's in Second Corinthians or Second Thessalonians, but it says, you know, it's telling the wife that she submit herself to the husband, as the church submits itself to Christ, and the husband leads the wife. As as I can't remember exactly how it goes. It's been a long day, but the point I'm making is the husband has to earn it. The Bible does say that the wife submits to the husband, but the husband should love the wife and care for the wife. Right. As Christ loved and gave himself for the church. Right. And that's Christ died for the church, man. That, like, that's right. He gave his life for the church. Yeah. A husband should be willing to give his all in his life for his wife. Right. So a husband cannot submit expect her to submit to him if he's not worthy of being submitted to. That that's that's it. That is the key point. I mean it it is once you get to that level of submission the amount of responsibility that's on the husband at that point is tremendous. Right. Cause like right. I just said, the, the husband's responsible for, and that's in that same chapter that I'm struggling to find in my Bible here. <laughs> it's in that same chapter that, uh, it says the husband's a spiritual leader of the home, the family. I'm married with children. Right. I have to answer to God one day on my wife and my children's behavior and their spiritual well-being mm -hmm. based on how I taught them, how I led them, how I guided them. Right. Right. So just, just like you and I as teachers of the word will be judged on a different level than somebody who doesn't teach the word as a husband and a father, you'll also be judged on a different level as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The so burden of performance is definitely on the man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the wife, you know, there's, I know exactly where this uh, verse is, but you know the wife has a responsibility too. Let me get here. See, usually when I got my notes, I got my Bible marked, and <laughs> I can flip the stuff. Mm -hmm. So you know, you ever heard of the woman of Proverbs in Proverbs thirty-one? Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is above rubies? But listen to what it says: her heart 
the heart of her husband thus save trustly in her, and she shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil in the days of his life. You know, I'm not going to read all this, but it goes into it. She's going to care for the house. She's going to she's going to make sure the children are ready to go. She's going to make sure the food's ready. So if you're going to break it down into this dynamic, the husband has a lot of responsibility in the leadership position. He has a lot of responsibility for spiritualness. He has a lot of responsibility for providing, for protecting. But the wife also has a lot of responsibility as the the supporter. Mm-hmm. So while he supports his family monetarily and with protection, she supports her family with love, with gentleness, with caring, providing for, you know, she provides the, food, the meals, the food. Right. So I go to very, I go to a very conservative Baptist church. So if I get really conservative here, y'all have to just forgive me. That's okay. I, got, and, you know, I, look, I do too. Yeah. You know, looking around the church and it's the woman's decision and every couple I know that, the husband provides, the woman supports, mm-hmm. and they happily take that role. And yep. the husband happily takes one. Well, how happily? Because some of us hate our jobs. But <laughs> you know, uh, my wife, if she wasn't a teacher, she would be a stay-at-home. I make mm-hmm. enough money to pay all the bills on my own. Her money, the money she makes, goes towards little extra stuff. Taking a vacation in November, a lot of that is paid for with her money. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, so that so there's important roles to both, and and the man and woman so complement each other, you know, that's the reason God made, and the Bible calls Eve a helpmate, right? You know, that's right. her job is to help him, to mm-hmm. to support him, and a man is not complete without a wife, and a woman is not complete without a husband. In my belief, right? That you 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 mesh together and you come together, and the Bible says two flesh become one. Mm-hmm. And that one flesh that you become is so much greater than the two individually. I tell my wife all the time, it's me and you against the world, baby. And we can take on the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have God in our corner. We have amazing, amazing marriage, amazing faith in God, amazing uh, support of each other. You know, she don't question anything I do. I don't question anything she does. And maybe that's why we get along so well. <laughs> Very good. All right, now flip them back to our verses here. All right, so what you got next? Um, let's talk about God making us in his image. So everybody talks about, okay, that's probably physical, you know, where like God probably looks like a human, not like a like a squirrel or something, like an animal, you know. He made us in his physical image, but let's talk about from the spiritual perspective where okay. we were designed as to live as sinless sinless beings and to have dominion over the entire world. We were essentially created to be God's friends where we were going to have a physical, literal friendship with God. And that's more so like I'm taking that in the spiritual perspective where we were designed to have spiritual relationship with God. He designed us to be like him so that we could be friends with him. And why then after the fall, we kind of, lost touch with that we lost um adam literally walked with god he walked side by side just as you do with your friends and i do with my friends and i think that's amazing but the thing is we can still walk with god in our christian walk and i'm not very eloquent when i when i put that but i mean that's if you get right down to it we're we're supposed to have a relationship with god right no, well, I mean we we call it our walk with God, our walk with Christ, our right. Christian walk. Right. And uh, 
Well, it's like uh, Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Can, right. can you imagine? Can Can you imagine physically being? I mean, we all will be one day. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine me in such a holy man on this earth that you walk with God? Yeah, it's incredible that you physically converse with Him, like right. two people. But uh, so an interesting theory that I read not too long ago on, on Adam and Eve is when they were created before they sinned, they were actually uh, not spiritual beings, but more spiritual than physical beings. Mm. Um, so, cause, okay, so Adam and Eve wasn't meant to die, right? Right. But us there, they're going to live. They were going to live eternally. Right. Would that have brought along the rest of us? I don't know. But this theory that I read, and in a way, it kind of makes sense. It's kind of a fun thought to entertain. Is God formed man out of the dust of the earth? He he made a mold. He breathed life into man, which created which which created a feeling for the cast for the mold that he created. So you ever heard the saying that God broke the mold when he created you? So they were kind of, I don't, I don't know how to word this. I can't remember how the article worded this. Like half spiritual, half physical. So they were here, but they were, they were not the same as us. They were a higher level than us. Below the angels, but above where we are now. Does that make right. sense? Yes. <laughs> not quite gods, but not, but more than human. Right. Um, so let me find this verse here. Let's Joseph see. forgot his notes at work, so that's why there's a pause. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm not on top of it today. <laughs> so there's a verse in here, if I can find it. It said, God... Okay, and Adam and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. So in the theory, the Bible never says he killed animals and took their skins and made clothes for them. So the theory says that God actually, that's when he made them physical beings. Mm. What, we are, what we are now is when he clothed them in coats of skin. Hmm. So it, it's like I said, it's an interesting, interesting theory. I'm not saying I believe that, but it's fun to give thought to. It is. It's. It's, and it kind of totally blows away the rest of my notes. But, but it is a good theory because, it makes sense. I mean, we may never know, until we get to heaven and actually ask God, but it's something cool to think about. I look forward to that day when we get to heaven. All the secrets of God will be revealed. Oh man, me too. We we will know as God knows. Mhm. Mhm. I don't think my brain will explode. <laughs> There's a lot of knowledge. <laughs> well, to kind of build off that, and I wasn't even thinking about that, but it, it makes sense. But God makes a prophecy of the life of Jesus in Genesis chapter 3. Yes. So after the fall, he, um, he says, so he's talking to the serpent. And it's and he this is when he makes it to lie on his belly and he curses it. So he, the snakes, like we think of today, they lie on their bellies because of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Yes, yeah, so did they have legs back then? They might have. Oh, like they a lizard. 
It's like a really long lizard or maybe yeah. like, a, like a millipede or something with a bunch of legs going up to that or yeah. something weird. When I picture it, I think of like a tadpole and like <laughs> like right before they become frogs, but when they're still in the water and they got those little leg things. Yeah. That's how I picture it. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. If you, if you look at a skeleton of a snake, you can see where the legs used to be on it. Really? Yep. Huh. It's crazy. I guess I never really looked at a skeleton of a snake. <laughs> Why research weird crap like this? So. <laughs> All right, back on topic. Um, so in chapter three and verse 15, it says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, he had a nail driven through his heels. But then Jesus delivered the fatal blow to, the, to Satan. And so he's, he's predicting God himself is prophesying the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I may have misinterpreted that, but that's how I'm pretty sure. That's oh no! I've always heard. And then no, I mean, I mean, all of all of the Old Testament points towards Christ. Right, right. And then when it gets down to the skin part that you just said, it says, "Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them." Now, to go off your your theory there, it may be that they didn't have like flesh before then, and they he gave them flesh at that point. But the way I've always heard it interpreted is that he, he had to kill an animal, which was a blood sacrifice, just like what Jesus made for us to cover the, up their sins. Right. And the, throughout the entire Old Testament, they had to give blood sacrifices where they had to kill um, a, a lamb t- in order to, cover, to pay for their sins. And so that's the way I've always heard. And that, I mean, it makes sense. He's, he's talking about Jesus right there. Right, and and that's how it's taught in seminary too. Is that's the first blood sacrifice for sin, mm-hmm. or to cover the sin, the sin of being naked. Right. When have we ever been theological, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's getting brighter. How's that storm coming through? Uh, we're in a we're in a little clearing right now. Yeah. See, winter and summer are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. It was like 62 yesterday, and it's 78 today, and it's going to be like 58 tomorrow, and then 37 yeah. tomorrow night, and then like it's. Mm-hmm. So whenever the weather changes like this, we get these massive, massive strong storms rolling through here. I'm, I mean, I got trees down across my driveway right now and everything. Yeah. Well, you're lucky, though, because pretty soon for us, 32 is going to be warm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's South Mississippi. We turn, we put on a hoodie when it gets down to 60. <laughs> well, we put on hoodies too, but we go colder than that. We had to wear coveralls. <laughs> but last, last Christmas I wore t-shirts and, and a uh, pair of shorts mm. Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. You're lucky. Okay. We're done talking about that. It's just going to make me mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got okay. smart. I pulled up my blue letter Bible since I don't have my notes in front of me. Yeah, there you go. All right, so let's talk about the first the first sin that the Bible talks about. So if you ask anybody, the first sin is going to be she ate the fruit, right? But I'm going to argue that it goes before that. So now this is all me being biblically skeptical and kind of imaginative. But think about – so – 
Eating the fruit was definitely a sin, but I'm going to argue that it wasn't the first sin in this, in this um, passage. And bear with me because I'm going to get there. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. And then again, Proverbs, so in the Old Testament, Proverbs 4 and verses 14 through 15 say, Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass by it, turn away from it, and pass away. So I'm going to say that being passive and allowing the temptation to happen was the first sin in the Bible. Look at you turning into a preacher. <laughs> I promise I'm not a God called preacher. <laughs> um, you make a good theologian there. Um, so I, I would have to agree with you. I, I think the the first sin committed was actually making the decision to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I, I, think, I can agree with that. I think that even before that, when they even entertained the wiles of the devil, the the temptation of the devil, I think that that would have been a sin because we're supposed to turn around and run from our from temptation, are we not? And so Correct. when they even entertained the devil saying, oh, look at this fruit right here. And then they looked at it and saw that it was good to the eyes. And they, then they, they ended up eating it. But when they even entertained his ideas of, oh, look at this right here, just, just look at it. That, I think that that was a sin because, and I call it passivity. And I've had a couple of tweets about, about how being passive is the root of most of our problems because when we just sit back and wait for things to happen, no, nothing's going to happen. But when we go out and make things happen, that's when we, that's when good things happen to us. You know, like we go out and start businesses or we go out and talk to people about God. We're not going to wait for somebody to come to our house. Oh, I want to talk about God. Would you tell me about him? We're going to go out and talk to talk about it. It'd be so much easier if it worked that way though. <laughs> right. Would it not? But we're not going to sit around waiting for God to give us a business to run. And we're not going to sit around waiting for God to send us somebody to our, knocking on our doorstep saying, Hey, I'd like you to tell me about God. Can you do it for me? And we're not going to sit there and just be passive about it. We had to take action. And so when Eve was passive, she allowed Satan to tempt her. But even above that, Adam, the leader of the household, when he was passive and allowing Eve to be te- tempted. And so I think that they both sinned at the same time, the minute they allowed the devil to tempt him. Well, I don't think being tempted in itself is a sin. Um, right. How, right. How, the, how they responded to that temptation was most definitely a sin. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like to uh, give Eve the bad rap because she's the one that took the first bite and she's the one that gave it to Adam. Right. I've written before. I blame Adam. Where was he at? He should have been stopping her. Right. You know, A, he should have taught her better what God's commandment was. But obviously, if he allowed her to convince him, he wasn't very strong in his own spirituality. My thought, you know, I think at this point, we're in garden, we're in paradise. We're going to be kind of lazy. I mean, I know we got a job to keep and tend the garden, but you know, you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. Mm-hmm. So you probably don't give a lot of thought to it. But I, I blame Adam. Mm-hmm. I blame Adam for not being there when she did it. Right. I blame Adam for not talking her out of it. I blame Adam for not even the Bible don't even say he tries. Right. You know, he he's not around at all. You know, he's failing 
at this point to be a leader. He's failing to be a guide. He's failing to be a protector. He should have been protecting her from the wiles of the serpent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I don't know if uh, the act of being tempted is not a sin. Them entertaining the, the temptation, though, that, that, that is borderline on what is or is not a sin. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I blame Adam because he should have shut that down. Yeah. He, he knew. He he walked with God. He he got message straight from the Lord's mouth. I mean, most of us as Christians or theologians or pastors or even evangelicals or Catholics or whatever you want to be, would give anything to hear the voice of God. Right. I mean, I mean, if God come and stood beside me right now and told me to do something, I promise you, that would be my top priority, like mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. <laughs> But I, th- I think it was something that Adam was used to. It was something he took advantage of. Mm-hmm. And he just, he, he got lax. I, I blame Adam. Yeah. Well, and it's both of them. Both of them are at fault. But I do think that Adam had just as much, if not more fault than she did because of what you said. He's the leader of the household. It's, the blame's on him. He's supposed to be leading her away from that. That's right. And... You know, I if I see if I see my wife doing something that I think is sinful or something I think is wrong or is going right. to lead to sin, right? I'll stop her and talk right. to her and tell her why I think that and try to make her, you know, see the way I'm seeing things, right? Or my children, you know, it's it's our job. It's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing is, how am I going to say this without sounding like a terrible person? Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right so i've had a girlfriend before i have a terrible choice in women by the way terrible taste like i always go for the crazy ones but you're gonna need me and adam to help you then <laughs> but um i had a girlfriend at one point who she had a disagreement she got in a fight with she she said some things that she shouldn't have been saying and then expected me to cover up for her and I mean, obviously, I had to cover up for her because I'm the man, right? I'm the I'm the protector. But at the same time, where was I when she was saying these stupid things that she shouldn't have been saying to, to tell her not to do that? You know what I mean? And, like, so I think that still applies today where we need to help our, our females out. So. Go ahead. Say it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you're at fault there. Right. I mean, you picked a crazy one, but we all do that from time to time. Yeah. But you shouldn't have covered for her. Really? Okay, explain. And how is that any different from what we just talked about with Adam? Was she your wife? No. Were you, so, does that, so you're not her leader. You're not, you're not one flesh. Right. She's making her own choices and her own decisions and her own actions. Mm-hmm. At that point, you are not responsible for her. Right. So what you did was you covered for her. Did you lie for her? No. So you, I just you got in the middle of it, woke him up. Hey, man, don't be doing that. And then I had to yell at the, the girl's boyfriend, too. <laughs> she was starting fights with the girl and her boyfriend, and I had to yell at the guy's boyfriend, at the girl's boyfriend. <laughs> so you 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 kind of sinned in that mm-hmm. and doing that. So So you sinned for her. Right. Right. So what you shouldn't have done. Right. I understand. So my point being is 
But what I'm trying to say is how is that different from, and I, I kind of understand, I, like I understand where you're going with it, but to, to drive the point home for the people, um, how is that what, what I if did different not, from Adam? If you're not married to her, you're right. not one flesh. Right. So okay. you, have to, you have to think that the way we date and the way we court nowadays right. is so much different than the way it was thousands of years ago. Right. So, you know, what, what we do now in, in Abraham's time or Jesus's time would be absolutely unheard of mm-hmm. as far as dating. We, we have the way we date now very much blurs the line between actually being married and just being, right. just right. getting to know each other. But unless you're joined together as one flesh, mm-hmm then you're not responsible. You're mm-hmm. not her leader. Mm-hmm. You're not her guide. You're not her protector. Mm-hmm. And that's going to sound terrible. And, and people's going to have an issue with that statement. Yeah. But that's going to be pretty controversial, but I, I but I'm saying it, it's not your spiritual biblical responsibility. Is right. it your moral obligation? That's a whole different conversation. Right. So I'm, I'm not talking about, are you morally obligated to defend her? I'm talking about, are you spiritually obligated? Mm-hmm. So until she is your wife, I do not believe you are spiritually obligated to do that. Mm-hmm. You're you're not commanded by God, right, to give your life for her as Christ gave His life for the church. I mean, that's marriage is sacred. I mean, mm-hmm. once once you get married and you have that bond, it's a whole different ball game, whole right. different set of responsibilities. Right. So yeah, it's going to be controversial, and I may get some, I may get some some messages on that. But but I want to clarify: I'm speaking spiritually, not morally. Right. right, you know, right. There, obviously, if you got a girlfriend, you're morally obligated to kind of pick up for. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, we're no no stranger to hateful text messages, are we? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Good Lord, don't talk about Kanye West. <laughs> Yeah. I was ready to fight some people after that one. <laughs> oh, and, and, and you know what? Everybody's seen my back and forth between Dev and Steven. Mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about them. You right. know, me and them talk privately. Right. And, and everything's good between us. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some of the other stuff I got. Because I tweeted more than one tweet about that topic. That was just the main one everybody saw for whatever reason. Right. Um. I, I deleted. I think I deleted them all. I went through and just like cleared all that stuff out. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to deal with it anymore. I, I deleted DMs, blocked right. people. I'm just like, I'm, yeah, yeah, I was. I'm pretty sure there was at least one point when Adam was willing to fight me too. But uh, that would have been awkward because he just followed me the day before. And then I was picking fights with him. <laughs> but no big deal. We're good. <laughs> I mean, side, that- side note, did you see uh, Adam trying to hook Dev and Roman up? Yeah, that was funny. I'm pretty sure Roman's married, though. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm pretty sure Roman's married, except for I caught, I saw his wife tweeting some things when she still had Twitter that made me kind of question it. So I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of trouble in paradise, but not my place. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. That'd be, that'd be an interesting match. Yeah, it sure would. He's twice I love, her love age. them both. Yeah, no, that don't matter. But <laughs> right, I love them both though. But they're, they're completely different, different people. Two, two separate worlds there. Yeah, for sure. 
I, I, I would not call that equally yoked. Right, right. Well, do you got anything more about <laughs> Adam and Eve? <laughs> I got to get my mind focused back. So, back to chapter two. Okay. Last two verse, or the, la- the second to last verse, verse 24. Therefore shall men leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So I just wanted to point that verse out real quick before we left. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this is... This is proof, this is God's word, that you become one flesh to to the conversation we were just having a second ago. Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to point out God's statement there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, So so nobody who listens to this has to go searching their Bible for this. What I was talking about, two becoming one, is, is, is right there, verse 24. Right, right. And I have, I have that verse pointed out in here too. And next to it, I wrote a note that Sex is a gift to a married man and his wife. It's it, they were sex was before the fall. It's not a sinful act as long as it's between a man and his wife. That so is right. That's the point I wanted to make. I gotta pull something up since you mentioned that. All right. When it rains, my internet's so slow. <laughs> oh man, it is Wednesday. I just seen it. My blog post on forgiveness post. Nathan got a post. <laughs> Sorry. So I posted on uh, a week ago or two weeks ago dealing with sex. Let me find it. So yeah, after that whole back and forth with Kanye West and mean words and then me making up with people after having an out with them. I had to post on, uh, had to post on forgiveness this week. Mm. Dang, maybe it was three weeks ago. One of these days I'm going to be way more prepared <laughs> for uh, one of these podcasts than I have been the last two weeks. I think it was this one. Okay. Let's see. So, yep, here we go. So, reading my words. when we're talking about sex so you said sex is not a sin and it's not a sin sex was given to us by god as a gift it is something for us to be enjoyed if you look in the animal kingdom half of the animals are raped by the males that's how they procreate you know cats sound like they're dying when they have sex i mean it's just for a lot of the animal kingdom it's not a pleasurable thing but for us it is god gave it to us for our enjoyment but did you know the Bible says that when your wife wants some, you got to give it to her. When you want some, she's got to give it to you. <laughs> no, I did not. I'm dead serious. So 1 Corinthians 7, 4 is where I'm at. And uh, it says, The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. <laughs> I 
First uh, Corinthians seven three says a husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise a wife to her husband. I live so, in Ohio, and one of the big laws that they were just focusing on passing, I can't remember if it was passed or if it was not, but it was um, marital rape, like rape within a marriage where if both people aren't fully enthusiastic about the sex that they're having, even though they're married, it's still rape and you can still be locked up for that. Well, sexually, they're, they're posting all kinds of laws here lately. Right. It goes against God's word, but from a biblical standpoint, uh-huh. your body belongs to your wife right. and her body belongs to you. Mm-hmm. And when there's marital duties to be fulfilled, it is y'all's responsibility to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what, what I posted specifically was, uh, I'm about to show y'all a verse that many of you will not like. The wife has not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise, also the husband will have power over his own body with the wife. I said, you do not have the rights to your body. Your body belongs to your wife and hers belongs to you. This is a God-given rule that requires us to acknowledge the oneness of marriage. The oneness comes with needs and expectations. I'm sure this probably isn't a problem for most of the people reading this, but if your wife wants a little action, you have to give it to her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's... You're, you're touching on that that law. If you look at the laws being passed, they're very much anti anti traditional family. Mm-hmm. That that law, yeah, a husband shouldn't be able to rape his wife if she says no, I don't want it. Then mm-hmm. I don't think he should be able to force himself on it. Right. But I see read a post on Twitter the other day that said if uh, you don't ask your girl like every minute if she's still consenting to what you're doing, then right. you know, you're raping her. Well, you know, what kind of crap is that? Right. I would love I'll have to tell you later what my wife's response to that was if I made that public she'd kill me <laughs> but she laughed she told me she'd laugh me straight out of the bedroom <laughs> but uh, I mean it's it's getting ridiculous where we are for marriage laws and there, there needs to be laws to protect you know there are husbands that rape their wives straight right. up rape she don't right. want to and he forces her and I think that's wrong Right. you know I hear so many people talking about you know, the Bible says you can rape, you can rape. The Bible says no such thing. If you look in the book of Leviticus, if a man forces himself on a woman, he's supposed to be stoned to death. Right. I mean, God's law says if a man rapes a woman, he is stoned to death. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the punishment for it. Right. So I'm not talking, I'm not talking, you know, if you don't feel like it, you can't just be like, I got a headache and expect it to pass. You know, if, if if she wants something, you gotta give it to her. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got on that. All right. Well, I got one more thing that I didn't have notes on, but that I just thought of while you were looking that up, I thought of it. Um, this idea that God wants us to, to proclaim certain things. And so when he comes into the garden after they've sinned and they've covered themselves with fig leaves, he asks Adam, what have you done? And then he asks, Adam blames Eve, and then he asks Eve, Eve, what have you done? And then we see a couple chapters later with Cain and Abel, when Cain has killed Abel, he asks Cain, what have you done? And he already knows this stuff, 
Right. But he wants us to tell him. He wants to give us a chance to to tell him about it. Confession. Right. And I think that that's a big deal when it comes to the modern kind of repentance. So that's all Old Testament stuff. And that's when God um, saw these people face to face. But when it comes to our repentance and we're telling God, God already knows everything that's happened, but he wants us to tell him. He wants right. us to come to him with it. Right. And, and, and I kind of believe in the, uh, I, I kind of believe in public confession, but, but not in the point where you stand in front of the church and just tell everybody what you did. Mm-hmm. So you go to a Baptist church, I'm sure y'all have an altar call at the end of each service. Yeah. yeah. So the altar call serves two points. If you're, if you're not saved, you want to learn more about it. There's somebody sitting up there, a Bible waiting on you. The second point of the altar call is to go up there and do business with God. Mm-hmm. So in, in my opinion, part of a public confession, my idea of public confession is when I go up there, people see me going up there. They don't know what I'm doing. It's none of their business what I'm doing because the sin itself Mm-hmm. is between me and God. Right. But you shouldn't be able to show that something, somehow you've been weak or something's going on that you have to present yourself on altar for God. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I don't know. I, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know how much I agree with that because I definitely think that we should be repenting, but I don't know that we have to let the whole world see that we're repenting because the Bible says to go into your prayer closet, but at the same time, I mean, you're you're probably right. I just think it's more of a private matter. Um, well, going into your prayer closet, the reason you go into your prayer closet is so you're not praised in front of men. Right, and so you're not being a hypocrite where you're praying in front of people, but not on your own also. Right. So James 5 and 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. That said that you may be healed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's one spot that I knew off the top of my head where it says to actually confess, right. confess to other people. But right. it's talking about, obviously, you, know, you and I are brothers in Christ. By sin, you know, I should, I should be able to call you up and go, Kyle, man, I just, I just messed up. This is what mm-hmm. I did. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, Well, another thing is, and I firmly believe that we should have accountability partners. So maybe that's kind of the same thing, you know, where, okay, if I have a problem with something, I can call you and say, Hey, I need you to hold me accountable to this. I need you to help me to, to not do this anymore. You know? Right. Like say I have a drinking problem. Hey man, I went to the bar yesterday or Hey, I had a drink yesterday. Let's pray about it. You know? So I do believe in doing stuff like that. And so maybe that's along the same lines. But I just think that God wants us to come to him with with our wrongdoings. And when we repent, we need to tell him about it, knowing full well that he already knows what's happened. But he wants to, wants to talk it out with us. He wants us to talk to him about it. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and I don't remember if I was talking to somebody or writing something, but I was talking about uh, God's penalty box. <laughs> Sometimes we sin. And we feel so guilty about the sin and we're mm-hmm. so ashamed of what we've done. We don't want to face God. Right. You know, have you ever sinned? And then when, when you, when you went to prayer the next time, you just felt like a massive hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I, I've done it. Mm-hmm. I, I call it the penalty box. Mm-hmm. We put ourselves in the penalty box. When we sin, God wants us to come straight to him. Mm-hmm. Hey dad, 
<laughs> right. I, I, mess, I messed up. I, I need I need your help. I need your forgiveness. Right. But we put ourselves in a penalty box, and see that penalty box is where Satan wants us. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Good, you sin. Feel bad about it. God don't want to talk to you. Right. You need to think about. You need to come over here and think about what you've done. And and that hurts our walk. So while we're on that conversation, I want to encourage everybody: when you sin, I don't care how bad you feel about it. You need to take it straight to God right then and there. Right. You know, go go find your prayer closet. You know, go to the altar, whatever it is you believe, whatever it is you want to do. Um, I have a prayer closet, so I, you know, I, I pray in private and I pray in public. Mm-hmm. Um, both. So, when I said public confession, like I said, I don't mean getting in front of church and talking to everybody and everybody staring at you, unless right. you unless you sinned against the church. Right, right. Now, if you did something to hurt the church or somebody in the church, then yeah, I think you need to get up there on the stage and, and, and apologize to everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. But last year, my my son stole some change from like three kids in his class, and I made him go back to school, stand in front of his class, and apologize to everybody and admit mm-hmm. what he did. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's accountability, right? That's what it is, right. I know people that have been living their entire lives in that penalty box where they feel like they're not good enough to step into a church. Yeah. they do. And these are saved people. people. A lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost epidemic among Christians. Uh-huh. You know, I can't, I can't believe, you know, say you've been addicted to porn, but you've been clean for six months or, or six weeks. And then you go watch porn. You're going to feel like it's not after that. Mm-hmm. And, and I know people, and I'm currently helping somebody now with porn addiction that when he slips, he'll tell me mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it, but I can't get him to go to God for nothing. Like he's so ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like that shame. Your feeling is a good thing. That shame, that shame is called conviction. If you wouldn't saved, you wouldn't feel that conviction. You'd be happy in your sin. Right. You know, when you, when you're saved, when you're born again, when you become that new creature, you begin to love the things God love and hate the things God hates. So we're human. We sin. We stumble. Sometimes we stumble on purpose. Sometimes we go into it knowing we're about to sin and do what we're not supposed to do. But you still get that Holy Ghost conviction afterwards. So that that bad feeling is a good thing. I call it part of the blessed assurance. If you're getting that conviction feeling, then you're, you're a child of God. You know, you're saved. It's It's a... It's the blessed assurance. It's the assurance of your salvation. Right. Because I know other Christians that can Christians that can go out and sin all night long and never, ever feel bad about it. Right. That makes me question, you know, their, their true conversion or not. Because obviously bear the, bear the judged tree by the fruit that it bears. Mm-hmm. If you can bear bad fruit and not feel bad about it, that says a little something about your tree. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there's, I went down a negative path there again. <laughs> it's starting to become a theme, isn't it? <laughs> well, you've seen what I put on Twitter the other day about staring in the darkness for too long. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I, it, I don't mean to do it. It's just, uh, mm-hmm. I, I really want people to do to, to be saved. Right. So when I see them not acting saved, it bugs me. And when mm-hmm. I see them not acting saved and it doesn't bother them, that really bugs me. Mm-hmm. 
Because when I and I've said it on here before, I'm like, you know, maybe you need to check your salvation. You know, I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm right. saying that because I want you to check your salvation. If you're not saved, I want you to get saved. I want, right. I want, I want to see you in heaven with me. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I guess my kid tells me I'm the most blunt person he knows, and, and that might be part of my problem. But I, I'm sure there's much more tactful ways of of saying it than you need to check your salvation. But. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, like, I don't necessarily agree with you because we're supposed to have this. Um, did I say I don't necessarily agree with you? I don't necessarily disagree with you. <laughs> I, was about, I was about to say we're going to have a discussion oh, now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't disagree with you. I, I could pull Bible verses. <laughs> <laughs> because we're supposed to have uh, – we're supposed to be uncomfortable that that there is a hell out there and that it is very real and that people are going there because it is – torture for eternity you are on fire for eternity and yeah. it's wailing and it's gnashing of teeth it's terrible it's like worse than anything that we could have possibly imagined and we're supposed to be uncomfortable that that is happening and that people are, are being sent there and so i agree with you that we are supposed to have to be uncomfortable for these people who are claimed to be saved but aren't acting saved and we're supposed to be uncomfortable for people who don't claim to be saved and aren't acting saved because they aren't saved. And we're supposed to be uncomfortable for these people. You know, the verse that makes me uncomfortable is Matthew 7. Where is that? Many was, was 22 and 23. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Have and in thy name done many wonderful works. And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that that's frightening to me. How many people are going to be so happy to see Jesus just for Jesus to be like, I don't know who you are. Right. You know, it's, cause I'm, I'm going to, I might make some people mad. There's a uh, church around here called a uh, mosaic community church. I know several people who go to that church and they go out drinking and cussing and partying and, but they're saved and they're going to heaven and cause their church says it's okay. And, mm -hmm. and, and I, I don't feel like they're saved and, and they're, they're good people. Right. I, I love them and it bugs me to death. And, and, and that false, that uh, it's false doctrine coming out of that church in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So what I just read, you know, those are the kind of people that, well, they went to church every Sunday. Preacher says they're going to heaven because they're at church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Well, that's every religion ever. Right. And, besides and, the one true religion. Right. And and that bugs me so much and, and it, it disturbs me. And, and I, I have wept over people that I, I know they're not saved and they think they are and they won't listen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm brash and I'm blunt and sometimes I'm kind of a jerk, but I really do care about people's souls. Right. I, I just come about it wrong a lot mm -hmm. of times. Yeah. But uh Well, I'm the same way. I'm a I'm blunt. I, I it just my one of my kids got saved. Uh-huh. Just three weeks later I was like, buddy, you need to pick your salvation. I mean right. and, yeah, it's harsh coming from your dad. Mm -hmm. But and he he did and he really we talked about it and he really didn't mean it the first time. I was like, well, you know, well, we might need to go through all this again, you know, mm -hmm. sit down with him. 
No, the Bible says we're supposed to hold accountable our brothers and sisters. We're supposed to rebuke with the word, with, with scripture. And if you brother or sister is not acting like a brother or sister, it is your job to rebuke them in love. Right. And make sure that they know their salvation. Right. Right. And, you know, it, you know, God, God wishes that no one should perish. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us. And as emissaries of God, it's our, our, it's our job to try to make sure no one perishes. You know, we should, we should care. It doesn't matter if your job is a preacher or a missionary or an evangelist, or if you're programming computers, you know, if you see somebody that's not saved, it's our job to try to lead them towards salvation. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 like I said, I know I'll come off as rough and I apologize for coming off as rough, but I don't apologize for what I'm saying. Does that make <laughs> sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's how I am 99% of the time where <laughs> I want to say what I'm going to, what I'm thinking, but <laughs> and I'm, it's going to sound terrible and I apologize for that, but I don't, I'm not sorry for what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I say it. I'm not uh-huh. for what I'm saying. Right. Right. But, you know, that's just my thing though. You know, it's, it's anybody want, if anybody needs my help or wants to talk to me about it, I'm always there. Mm-hmm. There's two people on Twitter right now that I'm helping with pornography issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't mind taking my time out to help a brother or sister. There's right. one person on Twitter I've already helped get saved. Right. So at three in the morning, <laughs> it's like two, well, it was like two thirty. but I, I don't, I don't mind. That's what I'm here for. Right. So, you know, like I always say on every podcast we do, if anybody out there listening has any questions or needs assurance, they can reach out to me. I know they can reach out to you. you know, Absolutely. You, you got us on Twitter with our DMs. Yep. Um, if you don't want to DM, if you want to email, there's a link to my website on my Twitter profile. You can email me through there. You know, mm-hmm. we, we can talk however we need to talk. Mm-hmm. I've yep. even done. I've even done a uh, a uh, what's it called? A Skype video with somebody, a Skype call with somebody. I mean, there's always ways a computer screen does not have to separate you from doing what God wants you to do. You know what I mean? Right. And sometimes it's this computer screen that can actually help us. You know, we, we have what you and I are doing has the potential of reaching more people than you and I possibly could on a weekly basis walking around our towns. Right. Cause I don't know about your area, but where I live, it's, it's pretty rural. Yeah. Know? I can yeah. walk. If I walk two miles in one direction, I might pass four houses. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of passing people on the streets and talking to them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. So, so you got I, anything uh, else about Adam and Eve? Being, being noteless, I did not. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm done too, so... I mean, unless if you got anything else to say, we'll end it up. Nah, go ahead, brother. Uh, how about you tell the people where you, where they can find you? You can find me on at JD Minley eighteen on Twitter. Um, barbarianrhetoric dot com. I post blogs on there. Kyle's got a blog post on there now. And uh, if you go to my profile on Twitter, I got a. Have, have you seen Linktree? Yeah, Nate showed me. Yeah, Nate showed me that too. So now if you click on my link tree link, there's like a hundred links on there. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with me. Very good. Um, I am at Kyle underscore Moonlight on Twitter. 
um, KyraMoonlight.com. I don't have my email address posted like he was talking about, but I do have a contact page on there. So if you guys have something you want to talk about, go on my blog and there's a contact page. Um, I do have a blog post on Barbarian Rhetoric. And coming soon, I have kingscouncilco.com. So that's going to be fun. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it. So I just, I just thought about something. What's up? If you go to my website, baptistbee.com, uh-huh. like my P.O. box is on there. My yeah. phone number is on there. <laughs> <laughs> like, so if you really want to get in touch with me. Yeah. You know, just look hard enough. <laughs> yeah. But it's my business site, so my phone number has to be on there. So. Right, right. Well, um, I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll close it up, okay? Okay. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for the opportunity to meet today and for the opportunity to talk about, about your word. Um, God, we pray, I want to pray for both of our families, Lord, that they might, might be blessed through following you. Um, Lord, I want to pray that you be with Joseph in his coming week, Lord, be with me with my coming week also. Um, Lord, if anything, if anybody could find anything out of this, this message that we've had today, God, I pray that you touch their hearts, that they might reach out to us or reach out to you, Lord, that they might might be saved. And all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Sounds good.